The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. And we're live. It is April 21st, 2020. It's 5 p.m. Eastern time. Boris Johnson, despite uh, saying he's not doing any work while he's recuperating from the coronavirus, has scheduled calls with the Queen and with President Trump, which is to say with the Queen and with the King of Ventilators. We don't have fun anymore. But in lieu of fun, it's pugilism week. And I would say that we have Lisa Page, except that we don't. Uh, so- um, oh, Wait, hold on then. I hear something rustling off screen. It's Lisa Page. It's a Lisa Page sock puppet, or <laughs> bag puppet, which is the closest we're gonna get. Hold on, I'm gonna turn off my stupid today. virtual background. Um, uh, because yeah, it's not so, going to register. There so, we go. So we, I think we owe everybody an explanation. We were intending to have Lisa Page today, uh, and Lisa Page was intending to uh, uh, join us today for an Ask Me Anything Decent. But a funny thing happened on the way to Lisa's Ask Me Anything Decent, an entity uh, which will go nameless, which uh, to which Lisa has certain professional obligations, uh, apparently afraid of the devastating mayonnaise questions we were going to ask, uh, requested that she not do it. And uh, Lisa being uh, 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 always conscientious of her obligations to clients, to employers, to other entities uh, uh, decided that the better part of valor was to respect this particular request. So in her place, we have the Lisa Page. Uh, uh, I think it's only appropriate, even though it is not technically a sock puppet, to call it the Lisa Page sock puppet. So um, uh, let's ask it the mayonnaise question. Uh, Lisa Page sock puppet. Mayonnaise, yes or no? Uh, vomit, no. Hates, <laughs> hate mayonnaise. All right. Hate so, mayonnaise, no, no, no. Bad mayonnaise. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm sorry. I should try to do a better job of this. <laughs> so in the, in the mayonnaise debate, you side with Oren Kerr over Scott Shapiro? Strongly. I strongly, strongly uh, side in the mayonnaise debate. How do you feel about mayonnaise sandwiches, Lisa? Uh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> like she just moved the... I would rather die. <laughs> um, but what, but, but there's, is there, are there any exceptions to your uh, anti-mayonnaise position? <laughs> um, yes, tuna fish. So disagree as strongly with eating tuna fish straight out of the can with Oren, it would appear. All right, so you're tuna actually- Tuna fish is an acceptable use. 
So you're actually striking a moderate position here. Is that right? I, I am indeed a moderate. All right. Eating out of the can is weird. That's just weird. Okay, so, <laughs> so I think we have now, in the mayonnaise debate, we have three positions. Scott Shapiro's really un-Jewish endorsement of mayonnaise, which by the way, I mean, I, I didn't say this while he was on, but that is, you know, pushing the line of what you're allowed to say as a Jew. Um, What's wrong with mayonnaise and being Jewish? What's that? No, Jews eat mustard, not mayonnaise. What's wrong um, with both of them? No, I mean, I, I'm sorry, my people, we don't eat mayonnaise. It's just not, that's just not. Um, Lisa, you know, have you heard of this? Well, she's not Jewish. She says <laughs> now she's heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like a Jew who announces the mayonnaise, it's like, I think actually didn't, isn't mayonnaise on the Lenny Bruce Jew Jewish and Goyish list? The famous, I think like mayonnaise is specifically listed as Goyish and then the line is lime jello, very Goyish. Lime um, jello is- It's very Goyish, but I think mayonnaise is on there as listed as Goyish. I'm not making this up. Okay, anyway, whatever. We have, we have the, the Scott Shapiro betrayal of his people um, I assume he's Jewish, but um, we have the, yeah, he grew up Orthodox. We have Oren Kerr's uh, don't eat mayonnaise under any circumstances. And we have the Lisa Page sock puppet, which we're going to call a sock puppet for obvious reasons, even though it's a paper bag puppet, uh, whose position is we will eat mayonnaise only with tuna fish. Lisa, are you insulted by my, are you insulted by my paper bag depiction of you? I hope not. I did, I've like practiced drawing eyes my entire life on like doodling them on pieces of paper just for this. She, yeah, I thank you. I think you look lovely too. So um, all right. <laughs> um, Wait, hold on. Ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, uh, Kate? This is a new cocktail I made up. It's called the Blood of Lisa Page's Enemies. And what is in it? <laughs> Um, I can't tell you that because I'd have to kill you. It looks like a Bloody Mary. It's a, it's a Michelada. <laughs> ah, right. um, okay. Um, I want to say we have done many inane things uh, on, in lieu of fun, but interviewing a sock puppet about mayonnaise has got to be, uh, has got to take the cake. On my tombstone already. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And we've got uh, some questions. Uh, we've got some questions, and one of them is uh, says specifically, "I'm Jewish and I like mayonnaise." Um, Thank you. Another one says, "Is mayonnaise actually traif or just disfavored?" And the answer is no. There's nothing traif about mayonnaise. Right. Just culturally not very Jewish. Um, so, like, if anybody who's you know got some you know knows some Jewish halachic and cultural history wants to come in and talk about what the what the what the relationship between the 12 tribes and mayonnaise is um, but I think it's just going to be like it's a kind of goyish thing it's not like it's it's nothing especially uh, you know there's it's just like it's a very white bread and mayonnaise are kind of like really goyish 
Michael um, Fromberger writes in to say, to be fair, interviewing sock puppets is basically what Fox News do does all day long. So you really can't claim uniqueness here. <laughs> um, but not fair, about mayonnaise. To be fair, um, when on in lieu of fun, we interview a sock puppet, it's a real sock puppet. It's not a human. <laughs> and we're authentic. Would... We're authentic about our sock puppets. Exactly. And, and, and Kate made this sock puppet with her own hands. And, um, and we are getting authentic answers from the sock puppet. When I was a child, um, I, my mother took me to a carnival once and um, uh, there was a guy who was, you know, screaming the prizes that you could get from throwing things and hitting other things. And he said, and we have here a real authentic shark's tooth from a simulated shark. And I, that's <laughs> how I learned the verb to simulate. It was the first time I, like, I didn't understand the joke. My mother explained me the joke. And, um, and that's what we've got when we, give you a sock puppet it's a completely authentic real sock puppet and here because Hi. we don't have lisa herself we have like a, Hi, Molly. A, Hi. A, a, like a Hello. for lisa but molly that's kind of unfair to molly because molly's um uh, among other things a surrogate a for erica john yeah, yeah right you <laughs> um so welcome to In Lieu of Fun, Molly Jong-Fask. Thank you. Um, the premise of this show is that we're not allowed to have any fun anymore. Okay. So every day at five o'clock, uh, Kate and I have a Zoom conference, which we live stream to YouTube. And we talk to our friends and have a drink. And, um, and we uh, say, uh, and we sometimes take questions from uh, people in the audience, um, and typically, uh, typically this doesn't involve puppetry. But, but that's Lisa. Oh wait, I forgot a really Is critical element in case, just in case we had to go on a field trip, and I wanted Lisa to be protected, and so I have. Okay, hold on. It's really hard to do this with one hand. <laughs> I think I need to tweet this. Can I tweet this? Yes. Oh, wait. Am I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed. I always get in trouble for tweeting things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I tweet this? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yes. Tell right. people to join and ask, ask the questions they would have asked to Lisa Page. And between you and me, who know her this really is, well, and this the is, puppet, This is for safety. <laughs> this is for... <laughs> I just want you to know, no N95s in this house. Sorry, Lisa, but we do have this surgical mask. And I hear that you should store N95s in a paper bag. So we're like one step ahead. Of Is it true you should store your M95s in a paper bag? Yes, that's what you're supposed to do. I, I you know, I'm- That's what was told us by an emergency room doctor. That is, that is absolutely correct. I, as I am in the Wuhan of the epicenter of the epicenter. New York City. So we're one in 1,000 New Yorkers have died of this. Is that, is it that? It's a tenth of that's a percent insane. now? It's insane. I was just right? at your house. Yeah, that's right. You were my last, you were my last social engagement. <laughs> a lot of people's last social engagement. Um, yeah, what we are, yeah, uh, 11,000. Right, which so. is 
about a tenth and of it's a percent. Pro- and it's really more because there's a lot of like people die. The, the thing that the thing that's amazing, and I was thinking about this today. Wait, are we supposed to be fun? Yeah, I mean, we can be. You know, <laughs> this is like this not- is like we let stuff hang out. So like okay. we're 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 doing what we do. The big change is like for me is I never knew anyone to die like in their house. You know, people die in their houses all the time here. Oh yeah, I there's actually a really beautiful, not to be super dark, but there's a really beautiful and I I actually assign it to my students to read for wills and intestacy, which is called The Lonely Death of George Bell. I should send it to you. Maybe we should post it in the feed or something. It's yes. this gorgeous New York Times Magazine article that just goes through all of like kind of beautifully and sparingly exactly what happens when someone uh someone passes away in their apartment without next of king kin yeah. and all this other stuff and like how there's like an entire administration built up around this to like deal with it to it's, like administer the estate and everything it is wild like the fact that people die my in their houses and and then i talked to a friend of mine who's a doctor the other day and she was saying cuz everyone what we were in this like lull where it's gotten much better and so I was talking to her and I said, what is, you know, how's it, how's it going? And she said, we no longer go to bed checks and find dead bodies. And I was like, oh. And then I talked to another friend today. I was doing like a parent coffee at one of my kids' schools. And I said, because I know her husband's a doctor. And I said, how is it? And she said, and then she burst into tears. And I didn't know that her husband was in the ICU. So, so we really everywhere so we have a question from Andrew McMahon, who uh, the floor is yours, Andrew. So Lisa, here's my question for you. Um, there's a certain level of stupidity that was always lurking behind all the accusations that were coming in your direction. And I'm just wondering, I can't fathom it. Could you fathom it right from the beginning? Did you know how consequential this would be? Um, all right, so let's, um, Molly, do you want to give your sense of the answer to that question? Uh, I can give mine and maybe the sock puppet has, has thoughts. My take was that she didn't see how she got all the negative stuff, but she didn't realize that there were people who, you have the tutor right now that she sent you a mic. Yes, you have to. Um, I'm, I forgot. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we have, it, 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 it's five o'clock, so everything is insane here. Um, it's just insane online. Um, so, and I know you're mad at me. I'm a terrible mother. Um, so what I would say is this. I don't think she understood just how, I think she got the negative right away because when you have the president trolling you, you get that right away. Like you get the emails, you get the death threats. But I don't think she understood that there were a lot of people in the world who really thought of her as very brave and as like kind of a hero. And so I don't think she had that sense, but it's definitely an interesting thing to be a public servant who had, you know, she didn't go for like, you know, she's really smart and she didn't go for like a corporate firm, like she went for public service. So that's a certain kind of person. So for that person to end up as a celebrity is kind of, I think, 
counterintuitive and so i don't think she totally got it uh i don't know if that seems reasonable to you yeah i think that's right i look so uh, the other thing that i think em emphasizes the point that you're making in the question is what is it that lisa is really accused of by the people who think she's a terrible person um, number one, she's accused of, um, uh, you know, plotting a coup and treason. And that is simply a crazed fantasy. There is no evidence for that. It is not true. And none of the various investigations that have looked at her conduct have accused her of anything like that. Right. So she's accused of sending text messages reflecting her negative personal opinions of the president to uh, a colleague. Right. Um, and uh, there is no question that she did that. Um, and uh, by the way, people who, uh, you know, I think nobody including Lisa would say in retrospect, well, that was a good idea. I'd advise right. somebody else to do that. Right. Um, and number three, she is accused, um, and often number three is number one, she's accused of having had an affair. And right. there is an immense amount of, uh, you know, uh, basic uh, shaming that is, and frankly, uh, misogynistic yeah. uh, nonsense that underlies that. And, you know, it's not that uh, uh, for those who are going to say I'm now pro affair, I'm not, you know, that's not the point at all. The point is if you uh, publicly shamed everybody in the FBI or any other federal institution who was, was now or at some point had extramarital affairs, uh, that has never been the standard of public service that right. engaged in. And by the way, some of us don't think it should be. Can I also get to the idea that I'm really curious about this? Like, I don't understand, besides it being bad to kind of dislike your boss and to talk shit about your boss, right? Or well, like Trump whatever. Trump wasn't her boss though, right? Yeah, that's the other thing. That's kind of what I was going to say. He wasn't her boss. Right. Like. And also, like, so, like, let's say that she's talking, saying stuff that it's like it's about, it's about the like the the president. That is like literally why we have First Amendment protections, so that people can like, so that people can express their dissatisfaction for for like the with like the politics around them, right? Right. But uh, so, so I think this issue is is genuinely complicated, and I I I don't want to be flip about it. Yes, FBI employees have First Amendment rights. Yes, they're allowed to express their views to each other. And yes, this is, a, a, I'm sure, a deep, dark secret that'll come to a lot of people's shock to a lot of people. But FBI employees tend not to have high admiration for the people that they're investigating. And that, you know, when, if you're somebody who the FBI is looking at, it is not remotely surprising that there might be water cooler conversation. Hey, that Kate Klonick, I don't know if we, we can prove it, but she's a real right. bad actor. In that case, isn't this just salacious because like she got caught talking so, shit about like her like 
like basically talking shit, not about her manager, not about anyone she reports to, but someone like the CEO of the company or someone on the board of directors. Well, and it's like just controversial because like people don't like, I, like it just strikes, it just has always struck me as there's just a, and I'm not just saying this cause she's on the show and sitting next to me on my left hand. <laughs> it is like, it is actually like, I just don't understand. There's like this and like, the other thing is like, you know who doesn't, I, I mean, maybe this is too complicated, but honestly, this is the kind of stuff we're great at, I think, and talking about. Why can't we talk about the fact that like, how government officials all the time take an oath to do one thing and set their personal agendas aside and their- That is the, that is the critical point. Yes, but like judges they, run they, they, for re-election, they do all kinds of stuff and then they're expected to set it all aside and they take money and they're expected to set it all aside and like impartially administer justice. There's no accusation that she, unless I don't, there's something I don't know of, that like she did something that was not like know, impartial but or I, like, or untoward, is that right? But I think the problem with all of this is that you guys are having like a normal sane conversation <laughs> and this is Trump that here. So it's, you know, Trump says things like, she's a traitor, lock her up, right? I mean, and you say, well, how is she a traitor, right? I mean, I know Lisa, she is so by the book and she's a lawyer, so she knows what's illegal and what's not illegal. But the reality- I is wouldn't actually hold that as like, that's not a one-to-one. -one. But, <laughs> but he has, you know, and and she's also from an extremely hardworking background. You know, she's self-made. She's not like a person for whom this was all handed to. So my feeling is Trump just says crazy shit about people. Yeah. And then, you know, he says they should get the death penalty. I mean, it's like, to try to argue reality in this situation is like almost not the point. So I agree with both of you. I think the I think the only reason to argue reality is that uh, the FBI has used statements about reality in order to uh, discipline people. Although right. not Lisa, actually, right. Lisa signed, right. but. Um, but, you know, other people, including Pete Strzok, were fired. And so there is an underlying legitimate reality question. Look, I think the answer is um, if there is a, you know, if you have people doing all kinds of hallway talk that raise a question of bias. Right. Um, and I think it is legitimate in this context, if you see these email chains, to say, well, does this raise a question of bias? To then inquire as to whether any investigation was compromised by, as a result or corrupted by the personal views of the individuals. That investigation has been done. And the inspector general found that it had not, that no, did not find that any step taken by Lisa Page or Pete Strzok uh, was materially influenced by their views in any substantial way. So I yeah, don't- Not so, just once, multiple times. Right, so I, I, I mean, I, to me, the question is like, what, what is the hatred of, at Lisa directed at? Is it, is it the false claim? Is it driven by the false statement that you know, she's involved in some coup, right? Or treason? Right. Is it involved, is it, based on the true fact that she exchanged a bunch of text messages that I'm sure she does not think was the best idea in the world, but that didn't affect any investigation that she was involved in? Or is it based on the fact that she's uh, 
youngish woman who rose to uh, uh, sort of meteorically to uh, be the kind of consigliere to the deputy director of the FBI, who was a bit of a power player in the, in the bureau, was extremely effective and had an affair and we can shame her about her affair. And I know the answer to this question, what it's about, because I've spent a lot of time in Lisa's Twitter feed yeah. looking at the reactions to her. And guess what? It ain't mostly about her, uh, her choices in life to send text messages that might uh, raise questions about the legitimate work she was doing. It's but all about slut shaming and nothing I'm, else. Right. I wrote a piece about this actually for the Beast about Trumpism needs a villain. The best villains for Trump are women, women of color, like Ilhan Omar is like the trifecta, right? Because she's a Muslim woman of color Democrat. But like any one, you know, any kind of like, we're, I was talking about how he picks on these women at the briefings, but he does really find and, and the reality is he's all, he just wants to keep that base he has and tried desperately to hold on to them because he can't do anything else. So someone like Lisa, she's the same as Hillary Clinton. It's the same, you know, it's just this villain that he has to have. So- I think that I was asking my question before, sorry to just really quick Molly. Like, I think that there's like, what I think that you brought up though is you're right. Like this is a sane conversation and like, I just wanted to like have the conversation to be totally clear, like, because this is really sad, but I think that like, we kind of, I feel sometimes this need to have a sanity check on some of this stuff, because I feel like I'm getting, I'm getting gaslit by mainstream media. Like they like, you get gaslit by reading Wikipedia, you get gaslit right. by doing a, like a Google search on somebody's name. Like they're just hard to sort it all out. And then I'm like, reading through and making like logical, like kind of trying to make logical sense out of this when this is all happening. And I was like, this is nothing. This right. is nothing. Like this is all slut shaming and like craziness and but like, like insanity. Emails or like right. I mean, it went through the. You know, are we going to split dessert? But the secret with all this stuff is it's nothing. But if you say it enough, it gets obfuscated. So maybe Hunter Biden was doing barisma. You know, it's just if you keep saying it you muddle the water so much that the end is everyone is corrupt. What are you going to do? Might as well just stick with Trump. All right. So here's my, here's my, uh, I want to tell uh, the other side of the Lisa Page text messaging stories, the part that never gets told, because this is um, actually the truth about Lisa Page and texts and switching hands. We're breaking, breaking news, folks. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Lisa Page sends the best text messages. And I did not realize that until I started texting with her you know, probably about a year ago now. Um, and she's hilarious. Also, Peter Strzok also sends really good text messages. Um, they're both hilarious. They're funny people, they're, they're witty, they're really smart. But Lisa Page- I also think I'm quite funny. <laughs> so Lisa, she doesn't, she's very humble. I know. So, I know this from literally talking to her over text messages for forty-eight minutes for forty-eight hours. <laughs> like right? both of the things that you said is true are true. He's very self-effacing, which is so. Here, are, here are my two Lisa Page text stories. Uh, the first time I met her, um, we uh, I gave her my email address, um, and uh, I 
we exchanged email addresses and then we switched, uh, exchanged phone numbers. And I sent her a text that evening that just said, you know, just making contact this way. She sent me back one line that says, I'm comfortable with text messages, <laughs> um, which was not the exchange I was expecting to get from Lisa Page. That was the first thing. Second thing is a few weeks ago, uh, I uh, was uh, thinking about having, a, this is before we stopped ever seeing anybody ever again mm -hmm. in the world. Um, I was thinking about having a barbecue at my cabin in the woods and I uh, texted Lisa that I was thinking about doing it to try to figure out like what would be a good day, that kind of thing. And she just sent me a note that said, thanks, great. That, uh, sounds great. I'll bring text messages. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I just want to say if you have the opportunity to exchange text messages with Lisa Page, it's, it's actually, she's a very fun text correspondent. Yeah, no, she's great. I mean, and what's happened to her has happened to so many really good, hardworking government. I mean, so like, I feel like the tragedy of all of these people is twofold. Like, he's ruined the government, and he's ruined these people's lives. Not to make I it unfun. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I do. Well, I'm gonna, well, we'll let James go ahead and ask his question. James McGuckin, the floor is yours. But you got to unmute yourself. Uh, you really got to unmute yourself. All right. Oh, he's uh, gone. Let's try I that mean, one I more time. Like, so, I, Molly, I you're quickly figuring out that this show is like, I like to think of it as a mix of cocktail party and USO and Wikipedia, <laughs> and then also kind of like a radio talk show. <laughs> All right, take two, James McGuckin. The floor is yours, really. All right. I think we, I don't know that we know that this person is a person. Uh, you know, maybe the person. Uh, <laughs> I think they might not be a person. We, we gave him his chance. Um, yes. Oh, I see right. you can answer the questions here. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, no, I mean, to, to, to Molly's point, though, I think everything she said is, is completely correct about who the president targets. But I think that also what happened to Lisa is like part of a, um, it's a part of um, a phenomenon that happens to a lot of people on the internet, that there is just this mass shaming and this, Right. information that moves so quickly faster than human human beings can possibly like kind of contemplate it or figure out the real facts or make sense of everything they're getting and so like the the narrative just becomes the, the like the truth uh the and so um i had an interesting question for both of you which a friend brought up to me today um she was like do you think that the ability of like, so Lisa, when she did come on very briefly to the show yesterday, was like sitting with her ear, ear pods in at like her kitchen table, you know, like being a normal person and like a t-shirt. And like, there was kind of just this amazing, like she wasn't made up for TV. There was nothing like we're all doing right now. Right. Um, and like, I was like, wow, like what a great, like, this is great. Like, we can all just see that this is like, it would, if people could have seen that Lisa was a person, would they have piled on in this way? And this is like a point that I've made from like cognitive psychology research a number of times in virality, which is like, 
if you confront your accusers and point out to them that you're human and show that you're being harmed by this thing, people stop because they just see you as this avatar uh, that they can project everything onto. But the second that like you kind of humanize yourself. So like coming, my question, I'm getting to it, is like basically like out, out of this pandemic, when everyone's working from home, when there are no more lines between like professional and like whatever, We've had guests on Molly that like pick up their kids and put them on the lap on their lap. And like you were just talking okay, to your, your kid. Be coming soon. Yes. Yeah. And like that's all normal. And like like Ben couldn't stop petting Gurgi because Gurgi had just had surgery. And like this is these are life things that like happen to people. And like now we're having to see people's lives and like understand them and exercise empathy and everything else. And I just kind of wonder, do you think it's gonna last? Do you think it's going to change some of this stuff? Do you think this is going to be a new moment? Um, from, I do, I don't, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I think that the Trump, what the Trump's people are not, I don't think you can negotiate with them. I think that group is, if Trump tells them something is real, it's real. And if Trump tells them something is not, you know, I just think, you can't even try to explain to them that Lisa Page is a real person. I mean, they, you know, look, look at how they are with, I mean, if you're an enemy of Trumpism, you're an enemy of Trumpism and that's it, period, paragraph. And I don't think it matters because I don't think those people are the people, those, you know, that, that's a, just a different world. But I do think, I think that, you know, once you get to, I mean, my whole thing with Lisa was just explaining to her that the MAGA media that has been so obsessed with her, the, the people who really will appreciate her haven't even been exposed to her really. And so that was my argument to her was just that there's a whole group of the world that don't, that don't participate in Trumpism. And that's more of the world than what does participate in Trumpism. And so those people you have to, you know, those are your people. So that's my feeling, but I don't know. I largely agree with that. I do think, though, that, you know, Lisa's first foray into public at all um, was, which was how Molly connected with her, was a photograph that I tweeted at, of her at the National Security Laws, the ABA Standing Committee on Law and National Securities Conference. And, uh, you know, I tweeted a picture of uh, her at, at the conference. And, um, you know, I would say the first hour after that, before the MAGA folks got their hands on the tweet and it turned really ugly, right. was an incredible outpouring from a very large number of people, including Molly, who immediately texted me you know, and asked to be put in touch. Um, but I, but I, I, I do think that one of the things that I found striking about that initial reaction and the subsequent reaction by the, uh, the Trump folks was very, very ugly. But the initial reaction was a whole lot of people who were, you know, both having this, some aspect of this story I really identify with and, but also a group of people who were like, oh my God, that's a real person. Yeah. Um, 
which is a slightly different reaction, but I think also a very powerful one. And, you know, we're playing with a, a sock puppet here. But for a lot of people, you know, Lisa Page and Pete Strzok, and for that matter, Andy McCabe and, uh, and Jim Baker uh, to a lesser extent. Um, uh, but, you know, all of these, you know, Bruce Orr, all of these people are just names and they're names that we've attached a certain set of, of positive or negative valences to almost entirely depending on whether we support or oppose the president. And the point that I was trying to make is no, actually, Lisa Page is a person, you know, like she's a person who actually, you know, has a professional life, who has a personal life, who did not ask to be a public name, who doesn't really want you to be talking about her. Um, and that, you know, she doesn't exist for the purposes of your making whatever political point you want to make by invoking her name. And I think like that actually turns out to move a lot of people because I think, um, I think the, the fear that you wake up one day and, you know, and the world is devoted to shaming you yeah. is actually something that a lot of people have lurking in their, you know, the lizard part of their brains. And, oh, completely. And, completely. And, I just get people doing that to me. So I don't, and I, you know, I don't know for whatever reason, no, because the MAGA people hate me. But I, and they're, and it's that same vitriol, even if it's not, you know, so I just delight in it. But I know that normal people don't. Um, normal people, do, though, did not, um, you chose, you and I both chose to be public facing and Kate did and you know, well a little bit I still am not quite as public facing as you guys but no but you write for the New Yorker I mean you're you're a you're a, pro a prominent person you're um you're not a you're not on if television. I ever get this draft next draft and I will continue to write for the New Yorker <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, a little distracted lately making puppets <laughs> So we have an we have a question from the big blue blogger whose name one day I will learn, but I don't actually want to know because I just like calling him the big blue blogger or sometimes the big blood blogger. Big blue blogger, what's on your mind? Hey guys, great great show, great puppets. Um, a question from Molly really about the impact of Trump's hate and the whole right wing hate machine. I'm looking ahead to the next Democratic administration. I'm hoping they can staff it with a lot of rock stars at the top level like Sally Yates, Tony Blinken, and yeah. then the second level with people I probably have never even heard of. But I'm wondering, you know, how many of those folks are just getting scared away for good and they're going to stay out there at Brookings with you? Uh, any ideas? Well, I think Ben is actually probably has more of a hand into like what is actually going on there. But I would say from the people I've talked to, I think a lot of people would like to come back, come back if it's available to them. Um, but Ben really has more of an inside into that. I'm in New York, but um, I would say that I think, especially, I mean, if Biden wins, let's not get overconfident here. And if they're, if we're all alive in November, um, I do think, you know, he also is very in, you know, he's very involved in like a lot of different democratic administrations because he's been around for a long time and there's a lot of goodwill towards him. 
So I would guess that a lot of like those really, and because things have gotten so dire with the Trump administration, my guess is a lot of those people will come back, but Ben probably can speak to that. I, I actually think that's exactly right. If, if, if anything, I think it's, it may be understated. So look, I mean, there's a group of people, the atmosphere is incredibly toxic. Yeah. And anybody who's considering, you know, a position that requires Senate confirmation has to imagine uh, a long delay and a toxic hearing. And, you know, it's different depending on which party controls the Senate, of course, but it's a, it's a, that's an ugly process and, and one that, you know, a lot of people get hurt in. Um, that said, if Joe Biden were to manage to beat Donald Trump, yeah. Um, and he were to pick up the phone and say to any of 50 people, I need you to be my attorney general. I think the, um, the, uh, the enormity of the moment, the emergency of the moment uh, would and should make it extremely difficult for people who are uh, patriots to say no to that. And Joe Biden would come in. I know he's just been through a bruising primary and all that, but he would come in if he were to win in the fall with an enormous amount of prestige, yeah. uh, a lot of goodwill, including among, you know, Molly and my friends in the Never Trump conservative movement, yeah. of which neither of us is really part, but we're both kind of, we, we're, we're both non-conservative members of the conservative, of the Never Trump conservative Never community. Never Trump adjacent. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're, we're Never Trump kosher. Right. Um, uh, you know, and I, I think the prestige of, and remember like Biden for all his quirks, and he is quirky, is somebody who's been around a long time. He's made many, many more friends than enemies Enemy. and people feel warmly toward him, including by the way, you know, you saw that in the different reaction between Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders' supporters, right? Yeah. Bernie was much more gracious toward Biden than he was toward Hillary. And that reflects his, that reflects the fact that Biden is actually well liked, including by people like Bernie Sanders. And so I, I do think, you know, I would be shocked if Sally Yates were to say no, if, if Joe Biden were to ask her to be attorney general. And, um, and you can replace Sally Yates with any of the other people that you imagine to be on a sort of AG shortlist, whether it would be the Preet Bharara's or the David Chris's or the, uh, you know, uh, you know, thinking out of the box, the Chuck Rosenbergs of the world. I just don't think people would want to say no to to Joe Biden in a mat in a moment like this if he were actually able to defeat Trump. Yeah, I agree, and I also think I also think that he's very well liked. He's had all of this terrible, terrible personal tragedy, and then he also has a very delightful personality. The one thing I would say too about, and goofy, which I personally, as someone who's goofy myself, enjoy. The one thing I would say about him is with Bernie is that he did a lot better against Bernie than Hillary did, which right. 
also, I think, is one of the reasons why Bernie was so, I mean, there were these districts in Michigan where he did, <clears throat> you know, 20%. I mean, he did just did a lot better than, than she did. So I also think Bernie reflected that, you know, I mean, I think they were friends from the Senate, but I also think he did, he ultimately did reflect that. I think that's right. I also think, honestly, you know, when you say if he wins, that covers a lot of ground and it matters how he wins. So if you imagine he scrapes by and they spend two months deciding whether, you know, millions of illegal votes were cast to enable his win, right? And it's a kind of contended, contentious exit. And it's, you know, very close and the country's very divided. Uh, then staffing the administration may be a harder thing than if he were, say, to win very decisively his win was a repudiation of Trump and Trumpism. And then he comes in with enormous prestige. And that's a very different picture from, a, from the point of view of staffing. The, other, the one other point I would just make is don't underestimate ambition in this. You know, these are positions that people have dreamt about since they were little children. And uh, it's very hard to turn down that kind of power and people don't do it that often. Um, and I think the, 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 the fondest dream of many lawyers might be to, uh, uh, of ambitious lawyers of a government service bent might be to come in after Bill Barr and have to clean up the place. Well, that's the other thing is, my question, because I don't really know the ins and outs the way you two do, because I'm neither a lawyer nor a person who's ever worked in government. Um, but won't there be sort of Nuremberg style trials? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know what I mean, for like all I the- I do know what you mean, but that's not what typically happens. I mean, I was covering, I was working at Talking Sorry, Points Memo and covering the end of the attorney general firing scandal before right. I went to law school. And then, so I was like, but I was like just deep in like the weeds of like the in inspector general's department, like, and the, um, yeah. And there's just, there's, and then it all just transitioned and nothing happened. Everything just went back to being what it was. And like, that's exactly, I or like there was reform. I mean, there was also like, I don't actually know exactly how the fallout happens for career versus um, political appointments to the various branches or to the various kind of in the various offices. It's like varies from office to office, how many have each and like how long they are and everything like that. And like, but there's my understanding, Ben, is that like, well, there certainly weren't any hearings. People just left their jobs and like people were like wanted to move on. Right. I mean, is, am I misremembering? That's right. I mean, I like I, when when the the when the trump administration leaves office whether in nine months or four years and nine months there will be retroactive investigations to do right. um you know and some of them may be substantial and serious and look i mean the Mueller report left open a bunch of potentially live prosecutorial questions with respect to obstruction um, which 
Bill Barr has closed, but a subsequent attorney general might plausibly decide to not credit that and relook at it. So I do think you're going to have a series of questions. You know, there's some substantial tax questions as well. There's a bunch of questions um, that implicate or involve the president and his immediate family. Right. I am not aware of any substantial questions that involve, you know, the Justice Department itself, ex at least at a criminal level, I, just at a grotesque mismanagement of discretionary calls. Uh, that is a very serious issue, but that's the kind of thing you deal with by staffing the Justice Department differently and by actually staffing it differently at the sen most senior levels. Um, so I, I don't I don't expect, I, I mean, to be honest, the question that I think is, is the more difficult one is the question of sort of social lustration. You know, like, so what happens when Stephen Miller comes out of government or and Kellyanne Conway come out of government and they want to be part of Washington society. Right. And you know, our, the like the traditional Washington approach to that is, you know, there's politics and then there's Washington social life and they're different. And, you know, the, the, of course the famous example, most famous example of that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia were best right. friends and, you know, opera buddies. Um, and I think this administration is going to, like, it's going to be very hard for Washington culture to assimilate some of these people on a, on a, I disagree with your politics, but you're welcome at my table kind of basis. And that's, that's a big cultural change for the city. You know, when, when I was, went to the Washington Post, it was still like a famous thing that Kay Graham, the, the, publisher of the Washington Post was like a close friend of Nancy Reagan's when the Reagan's were in office, you know, and that they socialized together and nobody thought that corrupted the Washington, maybe people did, but that was like a part of the culture of the city. And I, you know, I'm not going to be socializing with, with Stephen Miller and Kellyanne Conway as fond as I am of her husband. Um, Can I ask if both of you, I mean, I think that you're both too young for this, but like, I'm a huge fan of Kate Graham and the whole and everything coming out of like, um, like the uh, Watergate scandal and all of that writing. But like that actually strikes me as like that last real shaking of, or the first real shaking of like the presidency, like the real kind of like come to Jesus moment for the presidency. And I wonder how that changed the culture of the city. Well, the one thing I would just say, just to piggyback, on what Ben is saying quickly is that I don't think Trump, Trump is going to Florida, right? right. There's no way he's staying, he's out, right? He doesn't want them, they don't want him. Um, I'd be surprised if like his his sons are in New York and, and those guys, you never saw them anyway. Ivanka will come back to New York whether polite society embraces her is anyone's guess. I certainly know that a lot of people I know who were once her friends are not her friends anymore. Um, but who knows? There are a lot of 
very sort of gross people who will be friends with anyone who are, who's famous and wealthy. So that makes that she'll be fine. I'm not, I don't stay up at night worrying about any of these people, but certainly not. But the question will be like, I feel like the Larry Kudlow's and the, like Steve, Stephen Miller, yeah, I mean, Stephen Miller is atrocious, but like, I feel like he's an easy no, but a, like a Larry Kudlow or a, you know, the people who are like not, who are not known as, you know, who will say as soon as this is over, well, you know, I was there because I, you know, I tried my best. Those people, I think, will really be the sort of litmus test. John Bordeaux, the floor is yours for a question. Good afternoon, thanks. Um, I think one, one concern I have is people that are still in government in positions looking at the experiences of Lisa Page and others and wondering, will they make different decisions to avoid that fate? So I guess my question um, for, I wouldn't put Lisa directly on the spot, so I'll put the sock puppet on the spot for this. Um, is there any advice for people who are in, being targeted or may soon find themselves in that position? Great question. Uh, does the sock puppet have any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, the sock puppets uh, has thoughts that are basically, um, you are stronger than you think you are. And it's very true, even if you don't know it at the time. And of course, there were days that, you know, I wanted to curl up and die and truly just disappear and die. But now that you've crested that hill um, and you're on the other side, I'm really proud almost of what I've withstood. And, um, you know, I think that there's some identification with other people who've gone through this type of shame and this type of, um, these types of moments that are in the public eye right now. And I think that, uh, yeah, um, it's, I think that's basically, that's basically it. There you go. Um, back to the point about, but oh, I, one, one, one thought about that question. Um, you know, there is an increasing, the list of people who have some version of Lisa Page effect, right? Um, includes Alex Vindman, it includes, uh, you know, Fiona Hill, it includes, um, I'm sorry, Ma Masha Yovanovitch. Uh, uh, you know, it is, a fairly long list at this point of people who I think in one way or another do know that they're, that they're welcome in polite society in a way that the Larry Kudlow's and Stephen Miller's are not. And that, you know, when, when this period is over, um, you know, the world is going to have very good things to say about the Masha Yovanovitches and the Fiona Hills and, um, and, and the, the sins of having sent text messages will pale in comparison to the, you know, honorable service that um, people in the FBI performed. And so, like, if the, like, I do think if you're Alex Vindman today, you do know that you're right, right? And like, I think you walk around with a kind of 
confidence that the price that you're paying, whatever it is, is a price for having done the right thing. And, you know, I, I wonder how, what Larry Kudlow is telling himself. And I don't like, I don't think he gets that um, because I think in his heart, he knows he's not. But I do think it has already worked. He has, Trump has already had a chilling effect on whistleblowers and the federal government. And that's why you see it's much, you're not seeing a lot of the whistleblowing you should be seeing. I mean, the truth is Trump is, is stealing supplies from states. He's putting blockades, you know, there's, and you're not seeing that from the government's, the inside, you're seeing it from the states. And so that it's already worked what he's done to the federal government. He's silenced people. He's, you know, there's a lot of rolling over that you wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, if there, if Trump hadn't gone after the Ukraine, you know, every time there's been a scandal, it's because someone's put their neck out, right? Ukraine, because someone said, hey, this isn't the way government's supposed to, government is not, you know, we're not Russia. This is not a kleptocracy. And um, Trump has, has gone after those people. So I do think it's worked. And it's certainly worked with the Republican, uh, the Republican senators. I mean, those so that that is the place where it has worked most dramatically. I mean, yeah. the, the, the dissenting, the, 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 the transition of the Republican Party has been perfect and complete with the solitary exception of Mitt Romney. Right. Um, and, you know, in that area, the, the, the uh, you know, I think the, the ideological purification of the federal government bureaucracy has not been successful in the same way. Um, and if you have any doubt of that, um, uh, just go to, you know, I, I mean, I, I live in Washington. My whole environment is permeated by, by fed, the federal government workforce. There is nowhere where Donald Trump will get fewer votes in, in the fall than in the area of than in dc and the parts of maryland and virginia that people are commuting to the federal government to work in the government and we saw this in the 2017 virginia state stuff like he has lost all of those that state house you know right I, he has i mean the one thing i think that is calming to me is that he has really lost every election he has you know he lost the midterms he lost that Wisconsin, you know, Supreme Court judgeship during a pandemic when they made it as hard as possible and there were five polling. I mean, people really, the vitriol, I know he has this base, base that will die for him, but the rest of us really are not having it. Sorry, I might, I'm, I'm, my hand's getting sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> In this paper bag. <laughs> I'm going to switch it again. Okay. <sighs> All right. I suppose we should wrap. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would like to close with some final words from Lisa, uh, which uh, is, um, which I think are kind of from perfect given our entire is. conversation. What? From the, from the puppet, that is. Oh, from the, the from puppet Lisa. Yeah. Obviously, because real Lisa's not here. So puppet Lisa. And so puppet Lisa just wants to say that courage in the face of wrongdoing 
is always worth it. That's good. I think those are good rules to live by. Very, very, very. To defy power, which seems omnipotent, to love and bear, neither to change nor falter nor repent. This is to be good, great and joyous, beauteous and free. I love that. That's great. That's yeah, from Shelley. It's the last stanza of Prometheus Unbound. Hmm. Molly, thank you so much for coming on In Lieu of Fun Show. I almost, every time we say the name of our show, I almost call it In Lieu of Show, which in is also show. that. In this case, <laughs> like, in this case it's so in lieu of and it's like kind of in lieu of show. <laughs> but uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I'm not quite as exciting as Lisa Page, but I have talked about her enough. So you were I, amazing. Yeah. This was so yeah, fun to have was, you. It was great. And we should have you back. Um, for, when you're you know, not this, a Lisa Page. This is pugilism week. So yes. if you have somebody you want to like have a knockdown drag out fight with on in lieu of fun, yes. you know, challenge them on Twitter. Uh, and they will meet you in single combat on In Lieu of Fun. That sounds terrifying. I'm like very not, <laughs> I'm very non-confrontational, but yes, I would be happy to do that. So, fantastic. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. Bye. So uh, that's the last episode. It's our latest episode of In Lieu of Fun. We are so grateful to um, to Lisa Page for appearing as a puppet, uh, except not actually appearing as a puppet. Like actually it was just Lisa Page puppet. Don't yell at us. No one yell at us. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, we have, what do we have up tomorrow? It's pugilism week. Um, I, I don't think we, we I'm yeah, not sure we have scheduled tomorrow's fight yet. We haven't scheduled tomorrow's fight yet. I think that we have some pretty good contenders though. Yeah. So, um, so we will, we will post who the, the people, the final, the final matchup is, uh, tomorrow morning, tomorrow, early afternoon. Um, as usual, thank you. Oh, we are looking for taglines. I've decided that we need a tagline. Right now, the best contender for tagline, it, why is Lisa talking? Lisa, stop talking over me. Okay. <laughs> um, the best contender for tagline is um, soft politics and hard liquor uh, in lieu of fun. And, uh, but I am open for other things. I'm pretty sure that's like too hackneyed. So I think it's gonna like be a, that's gonna be the placeholder until we come up with it's something. a good placeholder and yeah. and then like really disappointingly I'm drinking beer. Um so but you know you know what? In lieu of fun, in lieu of scotch, Michelada, the blood of your enemies, the blood of Lisa Page's enemies. I'll toast to that. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>